Father, open our hearts to your word this morning, we pray. And open your word to our hearts and minds by the illumination of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this 12th uh, message in our study of Galatians that we've been walking through, Choose Freedom. Choose Freedom. When you think about the words, those two simple words, I'm free, what comes to mind? When my sister, my younger sister, was four years old, our family was getting onto uh, the Vancouver Island Ferry, and my parents were paying the man who was distributing the tickets. There's no QR codes in that day, of course. Uh, because of my sister's age, the man looked at her and bent over and said, Young lady, you're free. And in the cute little way she talked, with emphasis, she said, I'm not free, I'm four. parents are laughing. The rest of you are like, that's a dumb anecdote, <laughs> you know, whatever. But um, yeah, free. We, we can't imagine, at least I can't imagine someone who's not free in any way, not choosing freedom if they have the choice. And yet some do, at least spiritually. Some don't have the choice. Anthony Hinton, uh, wrongfully incarcerated for 30 years, and I'll share a little bit of that story later in this message. He said, you never think about your freedom until it's taken away from you. There's probably some truth to that, to varying degrees. A few years ago, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, one of our global workers, Kevin Garrett, spoke here on a Sunday morning and shared his story about being wrongfully incarcerated in China, where they were serving uh, at the time, and he uh, was imprisoned. His, he and his wife were there. He was imprisoned for 775 days. You likely heard the story or maybe saw the interview on, on the news, as I did, under false charges of spying separated from family, and in that country, not knowing if he would ever see freedom again. On any one of those 775 days, had a, a, a prison guard come in and open the door and said, Mr. Garrett, do you want your freedom today? He wouldn't have had to, hmm, ah, maybe I will. No, no question. He would have, I think, bolted out that open prison door. Every one of us have the opportunity or given the opportunity spiritually to choose freedom. And that may be new news for you. And maybe you don't even know how that works. That's okay. If you're seeking, if you're in, here in person or engaging online and you're asking these questions about what is this freedom in Jesus? What, is this, what does it mean to, to be a Christ follower? Is it actually possible for me to know that I'm in the family of God, eternal family of God, just by virtue of what Jesus did on the cross? Is that, is that really possible? <laughs> I encourage you in your search, and way to go for asking those questions. Keep at it. As, as we've said before in this series, Paul is writing to a network of churches in an area, a region called Galatia, modern-day Turkey, and he and his missionary companions um, 
established these churches on their missionary journey around A.D. 46. And you can, again, I've mentioned before, but if you haven't, uh, you can read the historical account of of that uh, and of their work in this region over in the other New Testament letter of Acts, uh, chapter 13 and 14. But they saw many people experience true freedom in Christ, and many of you know that, what that is from your own, in your own life. But the Galatian Christians got off track. And you know what? That's easy to do as a Christian, isn't it? We, we probably all know that to varying degrees at different times. But these Galatian Christ followers were influenced, as we've said before uh, through this series, by, by people who Paul called false teachers. And Paul refers to these false teachers again in today's passage. And yet again, he refers to uh, circumcision because these false teachers were saying that in order for you to be a Christian, a Christ follower, you, you had to add some in, in, in their, from their background, the Jewish rituals and practices to what Jesus did on the cross. And, and circumcision was, was one of the most common that was mentioned. Let's read our passage today. I'll read, you follow along on the screen, uh, or if your Bible's with you, open them up. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, actually, this morning, uh, as we often do. Uh, Verse 1 to 12. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive. That just means those who are have trusted in Christ because the Bible says the Spirit of God dwells within us at salvation when we put our faith in Christ as the forgiver of our sin and the leader of our life. That's all he's referring to there when he says those who live by the Spirit. They're not special people. No. It's any Christ follower. So, uh, verse 5 again. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well, he says to them. Who has held you back from following the truth? Something went wrong, right? Verse 8, it certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if, you, uh, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, Paul was even being accused of that, Why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. The implication is that there there were, and he was being thrown under the bus. Verse 12, I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Ouch, Paul, easy. (laughs) Wild, hey? Uplifting message today. Freedom. We all long for freedom. 
We, we know that some Christians have lived all throughout history under circumstances of significant lack of freedom and even persecution simply because they love Jesus or want to worship Jesus together with other believers. And then there's freedom of various kinds, of course. Maybe for you, it's that you long to live free from uh, some uh, physical pain that you've suffered with. Or maybe it's freedom from the paralyzing chains of debt that just seem to pull you down. Or, or it could be that you need freedom from an addiction or from the, the mental uh, torment of a past that is full of regrets or destructive choices. Freedom. What would it feel like? Well, I'm excited to tell you that freedom is possible through Jesus Christ. Jesus loves to set people free. It doesn't mean we'll never stumble again, but his grace is there when we do. His plan and strategy for freedom in our lives of any kind always begins, though, with the freedom we need most, the freedom that Jesus died to make possible, and that, it, that, that is freedom from sin and freedom from God's just penalty for our sin. Again, as we've heard repeatedly through this series, the theme of the book, that's okay. It's good to hear it again and again. Freedom from the penalty for our sin, which is, which is eternal separation from God, and that's, that's, that's some big stuff. And with this freedom that Jesus purchased for us through his death and resurrection. There's freedom from a slavery to our past. There's freedom from Satan's schemes to, to, to deceive us and, and, and destroy us, actually. There's freedom from the fear of death. There's freedom to live life in the abundant way that Jesus said he came to give us in John 10.10. 10. And as we see in Galatians, there's freedom from the burden of living under the law, or, or any kind of legalism for that matter. And the, new living, uh, sorry, the New International Version puts verse 1 this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I want that. I want that. In other words, Christ set us free so we could be free. Free from the burden of the demands of the law. Free from being tied up to slavery, through legalism, thinking we need to work to earn God's forgiveness. The Old Testament law is a good thing, but even, even good things can be misused, right? Which brings the heavy burden of the idea that I can do it on my own, or I have to do it on my own, if our understanding is really skewed. I can do works that will earn me God's forgiveness by, by my good deeds outweighing my bad deeds. Again, which we've heard through this series and, and certainly heard in Maureen's excellent message a few weeks ago. And if you missed any of the messages in this series, I encourage you to, to, to go online, eaglemont.church, uh, and, and uh, catch up and, uh, and receive the, the, the teaching that, that we've shared together in these past few weeks. Huh, I can do enough to earn God's forgiveness? Again, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of pressure. That's not even possible, actually. Here's, here's that lie as it came to the Galatians from false teachers who, who were referred to uh, by Paul as Judaizers. So again, the idea basically their, their message was if you, if you want to live as a good Christian, you've got to live as a, as a good Jew first. It's not New Testament. 
And for every Jewish male, that, again, meant being physically circumcised, thus the repeated reference to it throughout this short letter. In verse 2, Paul says, if you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you, which, which just makes sense. Because if we choose to count on something else to make us right with God, whatever that is in self-effort, then, then we, are, we are departing from the way of Jesus, the way of grace. And grace doesn't mean you can live, you know, live like you want after you accept Jesus. No, ah, that's, a, that's a pendulum swing the other way. You've got to be careful, right? The grace of God in our lives whereby we receive freedom and entry into his eternal family is the motivator for us to live our lives in holiness and purity and compassion in this world. To honor Christ and direct people's attention to him, right? For emphasis, Paul hits it again, verse 3. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses, he says. He's saying hoping for salvation by law-keeping means keeping the whole law. No picking and choosing. If you're going to bank on any part of the law to bring you to God, why stop at circumcision? You better obey every regulation of the law just, just to be sure because you don't want to miss anything if that's what you're, if that's what you're banking on. Right? That's what, that's what Paul's saying. If you, if you want to try and keep the 613 or, or so Old Testament laws, have at her. It's not God's way. It's not God's way into his eternal family. The purpose of the law was, of course, to point us to Christ. Galatians 3.24 says that. The law is intended to make our, our sinfulness evident and to, to demonstrate our, our need of a savior, but because none of us can meet the very high standard of holiness that God requires, Jesus, Jesus had to come if we had, a, had any, have any hope at all and, and take care of that for us because he's the only perfect one. Why? Because he's God. And he then fulfilled the requirements of the law on our behalf through his perfect character that none of us have because Sin entered the world. You can read about that in the first three chapters of the Bible in Genesis, right? So we are, we are saved, from, saved from God's proper, what do you say, just judgment of sin. And, and we're allowed into his eternal family based solely on the substitutionary payment for sin that Jesus made on our behalf, T taking my sin and, again, the just penalty for it upon himself and then uh, imputing is the word scripturally or, or accrediting to me his righteousness, which, which is what makes me acceptable to God, the righteous judge. Now, don't be thrown off by that big word substitutionary. Again, that just, that just means God's punishment was put on Jesus instead of you and I. And that is very, very good news. And so many of you know that from your experience of receiving that gift. Verse 4, Paul says, if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Being made right with God is the doctrine of justification. And we have Martin Luther to thank some 500 years ago for, or, uh, we could say, rediscovering this beautiful New Testament truth, being justified. 
being uh, put in right standing, put in right relationship by our faith. That just means there's a great exchange. All my sin put on Christ, and I receive his righteousness again, which is what makes me acceptable to God. Or like one preacher put it, you know, we've sometimes heard justification by faith means uh, just as if I never sinned. I mean, in one way that makes sense. In another way, no, <laughs> I sinned. That's why Jesus had to die. So, you know what I mean? But, but this preacher said, even better, just as if I've always obeyed, justified by faith. If you choose Jesus as your only hope, then and only then will you be uh, saved from sin and its eternal consequences. Then and only then will you be rescued, forgiven, adopted. Again, a word right out of this Galatians letter, forgiven. And then and only then will you be free, free eternally. It's a long time, eternity. Mind-boggling, really. I can't wrap my head around it. the idea of eternity sure makes me think of how serious a decision this is to follow Christ or not. Some of you may be in the throes of that decision right now. You've been on a journey for, for weeks or months, maybe years, and you've put it off. You've pushed it away. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings it back to your mind in a loving way. And, he, and, and the Holy Spirit maybe has used other people in your life to speak the truth of the good news message of Jesus. Would you open your heart today is the Holy Spirit's plea and mine as well. Moving on, verse 5, Paul introduces this idea of living by the Spirit as we mentioned before. And the Galatian Christians were being told by the false teachers that this righteousness would come to them by adherence to the Old Testament laws. We've said, Paul says, no way, that's not true. It's simply by faith in Jesus. Then verse 7, Paul comments that they uh, were doing well spiritually, but then something took them off course. You were running the race well. And then in verse 9, he uses the metaphor of yeast. This, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teaching. And that applies today because, as there always has been, there's false teaching. That's why it's vital for each one of us, individually, to know God's Word, to spend time, to read God's revealed truth about everything He wants us to know. And do we understand every single thing? No. I have questions. But what we need to know, to know God personally and eternally, is so clear, so simple, actually. The simplicity of it sometimes keeps people away from embracing it. I don't know why, but maybe sometimes it's because, well, it's our human nature. We think, well, we've got to do something. It's got to be be on me, which is, again, the the essence of this, this letter in Galatians. Paul uses the metaphor of yeast to symbolize how false teaching can spread through a whole church quickly. And again, we we see it. We see it today. Just like yeast spreads through a whole batch of dough and causes it to rise, false teaching can be the same in a a particular church. And we got to be on guard. Paul says a lot, as you've heard me say in this series, if you've been with us, Paul says a lot about false teaching throughout the New Testament. So prevalent back then and again today. 
Let's skip to slide 24. Thanks, Dave. Kind of some wild words from Paul here. I wish those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Again, wow, what is going on here? Um, it's obvious that these false teachers made Paul upset. <laughs> Understandably so, actually, because there, there was a lot at stake if the Galatian Christ followers believed these false teachers, that their, their eternity was actually at, at stake. Because if we trust in anything other than the cross, other than Jesus and the cross of Jesus alone, we're off course. And eternally so. And Paul knew that. Now, this is a, this is a jarring comment from Paul in verse 12. But one commentator uh, brought some context here. He wrote this about, about this verse. He said, a review of the Cybele cult religion at that time in the ancient world shows the relevance of the sarcastic imagery, as this commentator put it, this, the, the sarcastic imagery that Paul is using here. His point is that those who teach circumcision as essential to salvation are as mistaken and offensive as were the emasculated priests in the Cybele cult religion at that time. No. So there's some cultural realities and, and, and uh, cultural reference here in, in Paul's comments that, that most, including myself until I read this, uh, we wouldn't be aware of. Paul's point is not that he wants the false teachers to follow the, the cult priest's example in this, but rather he's saying that he would want the false teachers to cut themselves off from. And then that's the way the New King James renders it to cut themselves off from any contact with the Galatian Christians. Obviously, so that their influence and wrong teaching wouldn't infect these believers anymore, is what Paul's saying. Paul's, Paul's fighting for the freedom that Christ purchased for, for them on the cross, and it's, it's deeply painful, we can see, deeply painful for Paul that they turn away from Christ's way the only way for eternal salvation to be brought into their lives. And so, some clarity there. Let's conclude where we began. Verse 1 of chapter 5 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now, now make sure that you stay free. So, freedom is a choice that God has given us. And that's a good thing. Yes, the whole philosophical discussion about choice, we, we know that Free will and, and, and the ability to, to choose that we have as human beings brings a lot of pain because of sin entering the human heart and life, right? Free choice brings a lot of pain. But without freedom to choose, love is never possible. True love is never possible. And so God is willing to have the risk for the reward of true love with us in relationship that so many of us who have trusted in Christ enjoy and will enjoy for eternity. It's the core message we've heard repeatedly through Galatians. There's freedom from slavery to the burden of the law and, and, and from the burden of legalism and our performance in hopes of earning God's forgiveness. But as we conclude, I, I want to share 
a, a different application of the, the freedom that Christ uh, makes possible by sharing a story about experiencing freedom through uh, us releasing forgiveness to those that we need to forgive. I know that us forgiving others, again, is, is not the specific topic uh, in today's passage even, but it's a, it's a common struggle and so as we close, I just felt compelled to share this story. I want us to, be- I want us to believe that we, can, uh, that, that we can forgive others because of the forgiveness we've, we've received. And, and in making a choice like that, we're, we're choosing freedom spiritually. We really are. You, many of you know that from having walked that path, that difficult path of releasing forgiveness at times. And if you're, if you're bound by chains of, of unforgiveness in your life, you, you can. With God's help, you can. Today can be a new day of releasing that and making commitment to God to forgive those that you, that, that you know you need to forgive. Here, here's, here's a little story to inspire, hopefully. Gentlemen, I referred to earlier in this message. It's impossible to imagine what it's like to be accused of a crime that you didn't commit and to be sentenced to death and to wait on death row for 30 years. Well, there was no help for Anthony Hinton until attorney uh, Brian uh, Stevenson, after, after years of fighting the Alabama uh, justice system, won his client's freedom. When Hinton was first arrested uh, for murder, he was, he was certain that justice would, would prevail. He was employed at a factory where employees during the night shift were locked in, literally, uh, and, and he was there. And that was the time when the crime had happened. He was sure justice would prevail, but but there he was on death row for 30 years. When he was freed, there was no apology from anyone, no compensation at all from the government, which would have been right for, for having those 30 years stolen from him. None of that. Hinton's book, The Sun Does Shine, How I Found Life and Freedom on Death Row, tells the story that in spite of his uh, soul-crushing years without hope, he came out a man determined not to allow bitterness to control his life. Which most of us would have understood. He was forgiven. Or he, he has forgiven his enemies because he says... He says, I I forgave because I have a God who forgave me. It's powerful stuff. As we think about how much God has forgiven us, how is it possible, really, for any one of us to hold on to unforgiveness toward those who have wronged us? And and maybe that's what something that you just need to hear today, to, to help bring true and full, complete freedom in your life, in your heart, in your mind. God would ask you, God would ask any one of us this morning to make that commitment, to follow through with releasing forgiveness to those who, whom we need to. Make that commitment, make that commitment in conversation as we, as we close in a couple of minutes. For others of you, the place that you're recognizing you need to start is, is asking God to forgive you. And to, by faith, receive 
the forgiveness he wants to give you. He wants to offer you. He's not going to force it on you. It's a choice he wants you to make today to trust in what Jesus Christ, God the Son, did on the cross and to, to place your trust in him Again, as, as the forgiver of your sin and the leader of your life, as your, as your Lord and Savior. See, when I stand before God in heaven one day, as we all will, I will only be able to stand confidently. And I will only be welcomed in that moment into heaven because of my trust in and my surrender to Jesus Christ. And, of course, that goes for every one of us. What's keeping you, if, if that's where you're at? What's keeping you from trusting in Jesus to receive his gift of eternal salvation, knowing that it's not something you work for, but on the other side of receiving his gift of eternal life and, and salvation, there, there's a life of, 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 of growth and character for sure. There's a life of relationship. There's a life of walking with God as he leads you lovingly and wisely and, and making your life available to inspire others, to, 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 to bring compassion into situations that, that God has you walk into as his representative. I mean, there's, a, there's an adventure eternally on the other side of a personal commitment of your life to Christ. And that's what God is with his arms open, as a loving father saying, he's saying, come to me. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke those words. Come to me, all, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And rest doesn't mean easy, because we live in a broken world for a time. But rest means that there's a God to lean on in every stage of life, and whatever life might bring. God is calling you today to step in by faith to that relationship that he offers you freely. Whether you're here in person or, again, those engaging online, you may be all alone and traveling for work in your hotel room. God is speaking to your heart right now. I believe it. Call out to God. Just say, God, I'm yours. I surrender. I want to give you my life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. I receive that gift of eternal life through Christ. Would you bow your heads with me in, in this place this morning? If you want to make that commitment of your life today, in this moment, you can do it. And it's like you're stepping across what, what sometimes I refer to as this line of faith. And, and, and in an instant, you, are, you can be assured of your place in heaven and your place in God's family. Maybe there's someone in this physical room today who wants to do that or those engaging online, you can just, there's a, there's a button to click to let, let the hosts know that you're making that commitment today or, or go into eaglemont.info and fill out the, just to let us know. We want to know because we want to celebrate with you. We want to rejoice with you. We want to we walk with you and pr provide some resources if you, if you don't have a Bible or whatever it is. We want to we help as you put down roots in this uh, new relationship with Jesus. So those in this place physically today, that's a commitment you want to make. I, I just felt this morning I want to give you that opportunity to, to, to indicate so by just raising your hand, look in my direction. 
and I'll include you in prayer. I won't call you out or embarrass you, but I just want to include you in prayer as we close this morning. Is there anybody in this place that wants to make that commitment of your life to Christ today? You've not done it before, or, or you've drifted far from a commitment you made a long time ago. Anybody at all? Christians, thanks for praying in these moments. Significant moments. Father, we thank you. And the vast majority of us in this room, and maybe all of us, know you personally. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your Son, for the gift of your grace shown to us in Christ. Help us to walk with you in freedom, in freedom from the the chains of of, of temptation and sin, in freedom uh, in in our relationships that we contribute to to be healthy relationships. God, help us in, in all of what life is to live freely by your grace. Thank you so much for the truth of your word that we've seen in this, in this great New Testament book of Galatians. Thank you. Thank you for, for leading us and showing us and reminding us of the truths that you had Paul write about so many centuries ago, but still so applicable today. God, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.